Welcome to Cookbook Club. We are home cooks from Portland, Oregon, and every month we choose a cookbook, make a lot of recipes from it, and then get together to share some of the dishes we made. We talked about what worked, what didn't, and decide whether this is a cookbook we can't live without. I'm Sarah Gray. And I'm Renee Wilkinson. And joining us this week from our Cookbook Club is Kirsten Collins. Hi, thanks for having me. We're glad you're here. This week we're talking about the Indian Instant Pot Cookbook with Urvashi Pitri. The Indian Instant Pot Cookbook is Pitri's first cookbook. Pitri is originally from India and now lives in Texas. She posted a recipe for Instant Pot Butter Chicken in an Instant Pot forum in 2017 that went viral and led to this book deal. She soon became known to her fans as the Butter Chicken Lady. A scientist by training, she figured out a way to simplify many beloved Indian dishes for everyone's favorite electric pressure cooker. This book has become a cookbook club favorite because the recipes are so easy and straightforward and it doesn't have a huge effort to make them taste really delicious. I found that traditional Indian recipes typically have a really extensive list of ingredients and spices and steps. So cooking in a pressure cooker is quite common in India and Pitri really simplifies all of that in this book because she translates those classic recipes to the instant pot, which already makes it a lot easier and then keeps the ingredient list super tight. Kirsten, what have you cooked from this cookbook that you've really enjoyed? I think my um, most go-to recipe is the Punjabi Lobia. And it's really simple. It's uh, black-eyed peas with spinach. I mean, I think this recipe was really turned me on to black-eyed peas as like a thing. You get the bean, you have a green, and um, some sauce. So it's super simple. It's very easy to make. You can also start with dried peas, and it comes together very quickly. And it's really basic, so you can adjust the spices to your preference. Black-eyed peas cook really quickly in the Instant Pot. Isn't that right? Like more quickly than other beans? They do. Uh, I think she says 10 minutes, something like that, 13 minutes. That's nice. She says cook for 10. My notes say try 13. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't have to soak them before. You don't have to soak them before. That's nice. So yeah, it's one that I often have the ingredients on hand and it feels really nourishing and it's super simple and my whole family will eat it. So that's a plus. That's a total win. How about you, Renee? I cook a lot from this cookbook. The beginning of the cookbook are her cook, her kitchen staples, and that's where she has recipes for how to make your own garam masala, ginger garlic paste, which you can buy like at Trader Joe's. You know, they sell it in the frozen section. I actually just use this recipe to make a big batch at a time and then freeze it in ice cube trays and then you know, once they're frozen, pop them into a plastic bag and keep them in the freezer. That's so smart. So all of those recipes are things that I actually make a lot. And then she has several different chutneys in that section that I've made. Some of her recipes will like reference those, like, you know, use the onion chutney with this or whatever as part of the ingredient list. I typically have a lot of those things on hand. I've cooked a lot of the doll recipes because to Kirsten's point, like they just turn out so nourishing and Mm -hmm. healthy. They're quick to come together because lentils cook so quickly. I've cooked a lot from the vegetable section and the meat section. I would say most of the time, these are not like recipes that I have planned in advance to make where like a week ahead, I'm really organized with my meal plan. And I'm like, okay, this week, I'm gonna do all these things and make sure I have the ingredients. So typically, it's a last minute thing. And I can pull it off with the stuff that I already have in my pantry, which is awesome. One of my favorite from the from the book is the butter chicken, uh, which of course is the famous recipe that launched the book. I love that butter chicken. It's so good. I've made it a couple different ways. The full way to make it is the sort of full dairy way. So it's got like half a stick of butter <laughs> and cream in it. The way you make it, the the sauce is based on like the fat that cooks out of the chicken. And so um, it because of that, it makes double sauce. So you can often 
put half of the sauce into the freezer and then later I can bring it back out and toss some chickpeas into it and like make it sort of like a butter chickpea kind of thing because the sauce is so good you just want to kind of like eat it with a spoon it's really good but there is also a dairy-free variation uh, where you can do it with coconut milk and coconut uh, oil instead of the butter and the cream and it comes out pretty well I don't think it's quite as good quite as solid it doesn't make me want to eat it with a spoon quite as much, but it's still very tasty. And if you're not tolerant of dairy, it would be a good choice. For that recipe, I often just double the chicken and then I just make twice as much at once. But am I missing out on something because it messes up the ratio of like chicken juice to other sauce ingredients? That I don't know. Um, I haven't ever done that where I've doubled the chicken. I would guess that it depends on whether you're using breasts or thighs mm. because there's mm -hmm. more fat in a chicken thigh. And so I think. Probably if you were using breasts, it would be fine. There's probably about double the fat in a thigh as you would get in a breast so that kind of like leaches out into the sauce and then flavors the sauce with that like chickeny base. Is it something about enough of the chicken meat being submerged in liquid? When you make the recipe as written, is more of chicken sitting in liquid? And if you double it, is it not like submerged as much? I wouldn't say it's submerged really. The sauce is a tomato-based sauce. So it's like you put tomatoes just canned tomatoes and a bunch of spices in there. That's all you do. And then you put the chicken on top of that. Okay. And so then the cook, the chicken cooks and like the juices sort of run down into it and cook the tomatoes and all the spices together. And then you use an immersion blender to blend the sauce to make it smooth. And so maybe, mm -hmm. possibly, but if it's worked for you and it's been good, then I don't, I don't see why that wouldn't work. Yeah. This is really inspiring me to go back to that recipe and maybe try it. I think I've only ever done it doubling the chicken because... Because it makes Why no sense not? to have double sauce. But now I wonder if maybe it'll be even more delicious with a different ratio. I think it's so good. And then if you've got a lot of extra sauce, like no problem. Because if you've got some naan or some rice, just like scoop it up. I have one kid who doesn't eat meat. And so I can make that recipe actually and just use the sauce um, because of his dietary restrictions. The sauce technically just has fat in it and not like protein from meat. So right. I will prepare like roasted veg uh, vegetables or roasted mushrooms or something for him. And then he can still like get the same flavor from the main dish that we're eating. So the extra sauce is a boon in your family. Yeah. yeah. I love it when actually we do that with a lot of her recipes because I want him to still, he has a rare metabolic disorder and he can't process protein the way that we can. So we have to keep protein separate for him which is complicated. But what I like about her recipes is that typically there is a lot of sauce and that's where most of the flavor is because everything kind of cooks together. And so I will use that to flavor a lot of his food without having to have him eat the same meat that we're eating. That's really smart. I want to talk about how we had that recipe at Cookbook Club when all of us did get together for that event because Kirsten, you were reminding me that people brought it with two different types of chicken. So one mm -hmm. person brought it with chicken breast and the other person brought it with chicken thighs. Yeah. It sounds like they did taste really different. They tasted really different. They were both delicious, but it was a definitely a different flavor profile. And I think the other difference between those two dishes is one had the homemade garam masala following the recipe in this book. Mm -hmm. And the other, which was the one I made, I just had like a store-bought garam masala mix. And I think that there is value to making it on your own. I know not everybody has like a little spice mix at home, and it is kind of a pain to do it in the mortar and pestle, which... I think is actually still kind of fun. I just don't like it when like the little whole spices flip out of the bowl and end up all over the floor. But Oh, she has you like grind the spices. Yeah. So you put because whole space spices are typically better. They're going to taste fresher than ones that have been ground and exposed to air and they kind of get stale they faster. Get, like, oxidized. Yeah. yeah. I have like a tin that has a bunch of whole spices in it kind of all the time. 
And so it's pretty easy for me to whip up either in the mortar or pestle or in one of those little like food processor mini things. She even has a tip in there about using a coffee grinder where you can put rice in your coffee grinder and grind that to kind of get the coffee residue out of it Mm -hmm. and then dump it out and then use it as a spice grinder. That's worked pretty well for me also. If you have like the extra 15 minutes to do it, it makes a huge batch and you can put it in a little glass jar and then it'll last me for several recipes before I have to make more. All right, I'm inspired to put this back on the on the meal <laughs> meal cue. I've never I've never followed the garam masala recipe that she has, even though she's really adamant that you really need to to get the maximum results. But instant pot and grinding my own spices or adding any other extra step is not really what I'm about. I understand that. It's the same thing with like the garlic ginger paste. I've just found that I cook so much from this at certain mm-hmm. times of year, especially that, you know, I'll bang it out once and then I don't have to worry about it. And it makes it faster for the rest of the times that I'm cooking from it, which is especially important, I think, for my family when we're in like back to school season and like just daily routine is hard to keep up on and the days are shorter and stuff. So it feels like Renee from the future did me a solid by like stocking the freezer with the garlic ginger paste. Absolutely. And the cook time because it's the instant pot, right? So the cook time and the hands-off factor are huge. Yeah. Another favorite recipe of mine from here is the Pollock paneer, which you make the paneer yourself. So it's a kind of a two-step process. So the paneer is in that initial section that has the spice mixes and all of that. And it's so easy. It's like a quart of half and half and a little bit of white vinegar. And then you cook it and it breaks it up into curds. And then you drain it and over a colander in the fridge for a little while. Like you can, I think you can do it in like two hours. And then you cut it up and like throw it into the sauce, which is like really heavy greens. And so it's like a dark green color, sort of like Mm. jewel colored. And that's one of my favorite Indian dishes. Reminds me of my trip to India that I took when I just ate nothing but pollock paneer, it felt like, (laughs) for days uh, because it was so delicious. And I love how it's like a really dense vegetable. You know, it's like that cooked down spinach, but then it has this little creamy, fresh farm cheese. And it kind of feels like a win to have made your own you know, made your own cheese, but it's real simple. One of my favorite meals that I love to put together is make the butter chicken, make the pollock paneer. If you're feeling gutsy, go for the tomato coconut soup and then just add some store-bought naan. It's like enough variety that it almost feels like Indian takeout Mm -hmm. um, because you've got different things, but it doesn't take that long, really. What's your go-to store-bought naan? If you get it at New Seasons or like one of the other like sort of local grocery chains, there's like a stone fire or something uh-huh. like it's like it's not fancy. Um, I've also bought the frozen naan at Trader Joe's, which is pretty good. That's my favorite. Yeah. I always find frozen is better than I think the frozen is better. Bread. At yes. some point, I bought a big thing of frozen naan at Costco, but it was like a couple of years ago. So I who knows if they still have it. But so I actually made my own naan because I made a recipe from this, it was probably the lamb rogan josh, which is probably my most cooked recipe from this cookbook because we're we're part of a meat CSA and so we get a lot of lamb from them. We're and in the same is, boat and I love that recipe it's too. so delicious. It makes me want to go back to Renee from 10 years ago and be like, go ahead and splurge and buy lamb because I always felt like intimidated at the meat counter somehow by buying it and like, what was I going to do with it? It felt less accessible. Yeah, mm-hmm. but it's so delicious and flavorful, um, so much more for me than beef. So I really enjoy that recipe. But that recipe is also so easy that it kind of frees me up to do a little project. And so I made a non-recipe from the New York Times. But it was really easy and really fun. And 
that way you had like fresh bread to go along with something that was totally hands off and then rice in the rice cooker that meal could not have been easier it was wonderful so simple so i've never made the lamb rogan josh what is in it or what do you like about it so much other than it's so easy it's so easy is the is like a big part of it um i i have been looking like renee i also get a meat csa and we've gotten a lot of lamb that's not something i was really familiar with cooking and at some point my partner told me that he didn't think he really liked lamb when we started getting all the lamb and he was like oh i don't know if this is going to work this is a lot of lamb and so i looked for different ways to prepare it and between that recipe and there's a lamb meatball recipe in six seasons by joshua mcfadden that has mint in it between those two recipes he has recently told me that lamb might be his favorite meat oh so like those two recipes have really turned lamb around in my family I think the spice mix really pulls out sort of like the natural flavor of the Mm. lamb because lamb has like a real flavor to it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I feel like this sort of like maximizes it and makes it extra delicious. It doesn't mask the flavor of the lamb either because I find lamb to have kind of a grassy pasture flavor, which I think is great and unique. It's so easy to make. It has a little bit of yogurt in it. I rarely actually have Greek yogurt, which the recipe calls for. So I'll substitute kefir, which I have in the fridge almost all the time in that recipe, which works really well. So the dairy is like a really small amount, but it's mostly about the warming spices and just the ease of the recipe that makes it so delicious. So it's just like a ground lamb. It's actually chunks of lamb. Chunks I have of lamb. Yeah. And so I think the way because of the pressure cooker, it just makes everything so tender Um, I think lamb can be easy to overcook because I think it is a leaner meat. Mm. And I have never had that problem with this recipe. It always turns out really, really tender. And the recipe calls for a pound of boneless leg of lamb cut into Mm. one inch chunks. But I have also done lamb chops with it. Maybe that's like sacrilegious to people who are like into lamb chops, but got lamb chops in the meat CSA. And I was like, I bet this would work. So I just like cut them off the bone and cut them into one inch chunks. And it was delicious. Yeah. So it's like seasoned meat with a little bit of yogurt Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just enough liquid and then there's onion in it i think there's a little bit of tomato so it's just enough to make a layered sauce it's simple but has a very balanced flavor okay i'll have to try that too (laughs) i've done the same thing with substituting different cuts of meat in that lamb recipe because again like being part of the meat csa we don't get to pick like what cuts of meat we get we get what they're growing and what they have available and I think that that's totally fine. Haven't you made the lamb rogan josh with ground lamb? I have. But what I like to make more with ground lamb is the lamb and rice casserole before, which I believe calls for ground meat. And that has turned out delicious. And it's also more of a one pot meal. The recipe that I've made with ground meat that has not turned out looking so great, but was really delicious was the ground beef coconut curry sog, which was fabulous in flavor not so hot to look at. Mm -hmm. There's also not a ton of photos in this book. And so it's kind of hard to know when you're making something what it's going to turn out to look like, but it was absolutely delicious. So I would absolutely make that one again. And isn't it you, Renee, that says anything in this, if you pull it out and it looks a little drab, just like add some kefir and some cilantro and you're in business. (laughs) Yeah. Which makes it very family friendly for my house because my kids surprisingly have picky palates. And so I appreciate that I can throw a meal together with things that I know they're going to like. They're going to like rice. They're going to like naan. They're going to probably like the main dish. And then my partner and I have the option to bump up the flavors with some of the chutneys, with maybe making a little side of raita or just pouring some kefir on the top of it. So it's pretty versatile. You know, what, what comes out of the Instant Pot is enough on its own to be a great meal, but you can also customize it to make it more flavorful. 
Yeah. And I like that you can also adjust the spiciness to taste too. I often don't put any of the chili in because my kids are anti-spiciness. Same thing with my kids. Yeah. Um, But it's easy to add that back in per person. Stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. Dropcloth Samplers is a line of hand-drawn embroidery samplers printed and ready for you to jump in and start stitching right away. Each pattern is hand-drawn by Rebecca Ringquist in her Portland, Oregon studio and printed for you to embroider with your own color and thread choices, like coloring book pages, but for embroidery. You can find Dropcloth Samplers on Etsy or on Instagram at Dropcloth. How often do you cook from this book, Kirsten? That's a good question. For me, this is really a more winter cozy cookbook. I think the butter chicken is definitely on my rotation. The Punjabi lobia is on my rotation. And then I'll try to mix it up. I'm with you in the, uh, I really like the like rice naan main dish, little veggie side as a nice, um, really comforting meal. I think that for me, my brain goes to let's cook out of this in the cooler seasons mm-hmm. as well because of all those warming spices. But then when I take a step back and think about that, actually, I'd love to use the Instant Pot in the summer because you don't have mm. to turn the oven on to make dinner. And because India is a you know a warm climate, it could sort of like work in the summer as well because of the the added convenience of the Instant Pot not heating up your whole kitchen and just like you know, those spices Mm. sometimes work. But I wonder if there are some dishes in here that are maybe not quite as heavy or, you know, that might work better in that sort of summer application. Yeah, I think I always just stews equal winter is like very ingrained in my mind and I associate most of this and a lot of what comes out of the Instant Pot as like a stew, cozy, sop it up with bread type food. So I tend to to save that for wintertime. I think because it's also very pantry friendly, that's part of the reason why I might cook from it more in the cool season than Mm. the warm season. Uh, But I would like to pull myself out of that and experiment a little bit more with cooking during hot weather because of your point, Sarah, that nobody wants to turn the oven on in the summer. So turning the instant pot on is great. There are a few recipes in here that I've tried that I either didn't love or I felt like they weren't really great fits to be instant pot recipes. Um, And I figure that's probably always going to happen when you write a cookbook that's for the Instant Pot, I feel like the Instant Pot is really well suited to like kind of a stewy main. But some of the vegetable recipes did not work great for me, like the aloo gobi. And there's a cabbage and peas recipe. I think those veggie recipes just were a little bit of a miss for me. The Instant Pot kind of overdid them. You know, they were a little soggy. Like it's hard, it's hard to get any other texture besides sort of stewy in, mm-hmm. in the Instant Pot. So when I've made the aloo gobi, it just becomes a little bit complicated with timing of eating dinner and what's going to be hot at the same time. And so then you have to turn the oven on to do your main dish or be cooking at the stovetop. So I think thinking that through of, you know, how you prioritize what you use your Instant Pot for, maybe it's a better fit for people who have more than one Instant Pot. That's, That's why point. I've hung on to my rice cooker, even though Instant Pot can also function that way. That's a great point. I am one of those people who owns two Instant Pots. <laughs> I have the huge one and then sort of like the standard size one. I do kind of wish I had a tiny one, but I'm not going to go there and, have, I didn't know and be the kind of person one. with three. Because if I want to make, let's say, for instance, an Indian Instant Pot meal for a, a crowd or something and try to time everything, it's yeah. pretty great to have them both out. I was just thinking, wouldn't that be amazing to have an Indian Instant Pot Thanksgiving 
oh. where like everything was just easy and ready when you're ready to have it and nobody had to be doing all of like the juggling of 11 different dishes that have to be all ready at That's the same time. That's kind of a brilliant mm-hmm. idea. And I like the idea of like instant pots all over the house while you're where you're like hunting for outlets. Yeah. <laughs> well, I remember when we had this cookbook club meeting, it was my first one ever and it was at Renee's house and I we all walked in with an instant pot in hand. And so your kitchen was just littered with instant pot. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone just, you know, broke off the lids all the way around and put a serving spoon in it. It was yeah. kind of brilliant. What a great way to have a party, though, Absolutely. even outside yeah. of cookbook club to just if you're having a potluck, just encourage people to bring an instant pot and then everything's warm at the same it's time. It's very well insulated. Yeah. So one thing that someone brought from the cookbook club meetup that we had was the Indian rice pudding. And it was really, really delicious and warm and fabulous. I personally have made no recipes from the dessert section of this because I always associate my Instant Pot with the main dish, which is kind of a problem because I think it can work really well for desserts that are, you know, have the same kind of warming spices or gooey or, you know, delicious. But I I need to spend more time with that section myself. I agree. They look good, but I haven't made anything from Mm -hmm. that section either. Do you guys want to talk a little about the layout of this book? Because I I find that to be different from a lot of other cookbooks that I typically pull off a shelf. Yes. It's a very simple book. It's a soft cover book. Doesn't have a ton of photography inside. Uh, One thing that I have found really helpful about it is it's very obvious to me that Urvashi Pitri is a scientist. Um, She clearly approaches it from a very like methodical point of view. And this book has actually taught me a ton about just how to use my Instant Pot generally and not even the specific recipes inside. Yeah, I really like that there's a lot of white space on every page. There's lots of room for notes. Each recipe has like three to six steps, so they all seem very approachable, which makes it a lot easier for me to then make them. And I really like her intro headings about what each recipe has meant to her family or ways in which she's adapted them from a maybe more traditional way of preparing each dish. I always appreciate that. I have other Indian cookbooks that we've cooked from over the years, and they're wonderful. They have so many rich flavors, so many steps, but I really appreciate how concise her recipes are. And to your point with the intros, they're really short and sweet, but I feel like I learned something about like, you know, what is this dish that I'm making? It's not a really long like storytelling book. But there's a little bit of a hit of a story there before each recipe. Yeah, and I, I like appreciate. that. I like that she um, will really clearly lay out like, oh, when I'm in the mood for this, I make this dish, or when I'm feeling like this, that's when this dish comes into my life. And so I really get the sense that these are actually dishes that she's making regular regularly for herself and her family. Who do you think this is a good book for? I think this is a great book for maybe a new Instant Pot owner, because to your point, I think it is a really good, here's how to use your Instant Pot book without being overt about it. I think it would also be a good intro to Indian cooking in that it is really easy and maybe a little more approachable in the number of steps and ingredients. So yeah, that's who I would, that's who I would give this book to. I totally agree. And in the back, you know, there's uh, like tables on how to cook things. I mean, a lot of those tables sort of look like the tables that come in like the booklet that comes mm-hmm. with your Instant Pot. So I definitely yeah, think I it's like an education I reference those all the time, piece. even when I'm not making one of her recipes, but just like, how long do I cook these beans? And I wonder if that's, I mean, you know, the book says on the front of it, authorized by Instant Pot. And so I think maybe there was some kind of a collaboration there that Instant Pot Company works with her to, Mm -hmm. you know, include some of that sort of basic information to make the, you know, make the Instant Pot a little less intimidating. 
my sister for her birthday, she's one of those people who will never buy anything nice for herself. For her birthday, I bought her an Instant Pot and I included this cookbook with it. She's not someone who has like some real big interest in cooking Indian cuisine, but I think that everyone should be cooking Indian cuisine if they own an Instant Pot or even if you don't because it's, it's delicious. It's so well suited to the appliance too. Yeah. Uh, So I sent this to her and she has cooked a lot of recipes from it. She's also vegetarian. So I think that that shows that there's enough here that if you don't eat meat, then there's still plenty of things to cook from it. It's very affordable cookbook, which I think is related to the amount of photography maybe that's Mm -hmm. in it. So because it's not a hardbound book that has like rich photography with every single recipe, I think it makes it really affordable and accessible to everybody. So I think it's a great gift to give to someone who does or does not currently have an interest in Indian cooking, but does have an Instant Pot. Here's a question for you guys. How much do you cook out of any other Instant Pot cookbooks? I cook out of Melissa Clark's Dinner in an Instant quite a bit. So I would say this book and Melissa Clark's book are my go-tos for for Instant Pot cooking. I'll adapt other recipes to the Instant Pot too, because I'm like so well-versed at this point in it that I know what's going to work in it and what isn't. But they're two very different cookbooks. How about you, Kristen? This is my only Instant Pot cookbook that I own. I also have the Nom Nom Paleo Ready Set Go, something like that, which has a lot of Instant Pot adaptations. But um, yeah, this is my only Instant Pot cookbook. And I think it does function nicely as a Instant Pot primer. So I also own Dinner in an Instant, but I almost never cook out of it. I find that the recipes in that book are are sometimes just too complicated for me. There's a lot of ingredients. That kind of drives the point home to me that this is a really great... I mean, I think maybe people would see this book and they'd think, oh, well, that's one specific cuisine. So this isn't an overall Instant Pot cookbook, but it absolutely is. So I'm curious, is this a book that earns a spot on your cookbook shelf, Kirsten? It has, and it does, and I keep it. Yeah, I think it's it's really well worth owning. I think it makes a good like foundational Instant Pot slash um, Indian cookbook. I totally agree. It definitely earns a spot on my shelf. And I do appreciate that it's small because mm-hmm. my cookbook shelf real estate is a very coveted space. I definitely use this book all the time. It has earned its spot on my bookshelf many times over. It's such a winner. Well, Kirsten, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, you bet. So fun to have you here. I hope that we inspired other people to cook from this cookbook. And we hope that you'll join us next time. We're getting ready for the biggest cooking holiday of the year and cooking this month from Sam Sifton's book, Thanksgiving, How to Cook It Well. Cook along with us and tag us on Instagram, adding the hashtag cookbook club show so we can see what you're cooking too. And tune in November 3rd to hear what we love from this book. Remember to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss the next one. And leaving us a review will really help other home cooks find us too. We'll see you next time. Bye.